What does it mean to be blessed? And who is blessed? And are any of us on that list? Hi, my name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. Thanks so much for choosing to join us from wherever you find yourself today. Know that you are welcome here. Today, we're going to explore one of the most important teachings of Jesus. It's a strange list of people who are blessed and it has become known as the Beatitudes. I'm joined by Lisa today and she's going to read for us and later lead us in prayer. Don't forget you can find out more about who we are and what we do at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk A reading from Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 to 12 taken from the message. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed the hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him, arriving at a quiet place. He sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out, or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do, and all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Here, right at the start of Matthew's Gospel, his story of who Jesus is and what kind of Messiah he's going to be, we find what have become known as the Beatitudes. They are a series of nine statements about blessing, which come at the start of a longer block of teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. Just before we read that, we should go back and remind ourselves what comes just before. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching at their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. 
and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. The Decapolis was a group of ten cities in what is now Jordan and Israel and Syria. So these verses tell us about what Jesus is doing and who he's with. He's teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So much so that his fame has spread across the border and people are coming from all over with all kinds of illnesses to be cured. So when we read that there was a crowd, these are the people who were there already, the people Jesus had cured, the people Jesus has already made a difference to, the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, the possessed, epileptics, paralytics, had all been cured. And Jesus does all of this first. Jesus has a reputation before he ever speaks. He's shown them a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like. The people want to hear what he has to say because of what he has done. So often we hear our leaders make all kinds of promises that they either have no intention of ever doing in the first place or just never get round to. But that's not the case with Jesus. He takes the people up the mountain. There's a theme that runs through Matthew's Gospel that paints Jesus as the new Moses. Moses, of course, saved the people from slavery. He led them out of Egypt into the Promised Land, a place where they could live as a new kind of community. It was on the mountain that God first appeared to Moses, and it was on the mountain that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Revelation happens on the mountain with God revealing himself to his people there in the heights. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus also comes out of Egypt, just like Moses did. And just like Moses did, Jesus often climbs up the mountain to pray, to meet with God. The mountains aren't very big though. They're really just hills. And rather than taking you away from things, the hills around Galilee actually provide a great view of the lake and everything around it. You can see all the towns with what is Israel on one side and Syria on the other. You can see the boats fishing and transporting people and goods around. You can see the Roman garrison at Tiberias. You can see the hot springs just around the shore from Capernaum. So when Jesus takes the people up the mountain to teach them, it's so that they can see him, but also so that they can see their world. They can see all of it. The commerce and the trade, the Roman occupation, the synagogue, all the things that people think are important. All the places and people who have power over them. That's the context. It's also one of the temptations that Jesus faces in the wilderness, where Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and tempts him to have power over it all. It's with that same view that Jesus tells the people about this really strange list of people who are blessed. People we would never think of as blessed. 
People we would rather be anything else than like. People that society says we should have nothing to do with or avoid being like. The poor in spirit, those who mourn the meek. What? How? How on earth can those people, those things be blessed? Well, perhaps because they are as far from the priorities and aspirations that the world tells us we should have as it's possible to be. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, they've all lost the things that other people strive for and value the most. They have no power, no status, no wealth. They've lost those they love the most. They see the value in the things that are real because they've lost all of it. They see right through the false claims of the world and all its superficial, vacuous nonsense. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But that's not all of us. It may be most of us at some points in our lives, but it's not all of us and it's certainly not all the time. But the translation doesn't give us quite the whole picture. The word we translate as blessed is a Hebrew word, chesed, which means something along the lines of love lived out, or love realised, or love embodied. Love lived out is what being poor in spirit looks like, because to be poor in spirit means to be completely lacking in ego or self-centeredness. And if we're completely lacking in those things, then there's much more room for God. Love realised is what happens in bereavement. How often do we say that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? I'm not sure we can ever fully know how much we love someone until that person is taken away from us. Love embodied is when you have no ambition because you are happy for others to flourish and shine. The rest of the Beatitudes are things that we can all do, things we can all be, and when we do these things, love is lived out, love is made real, love is embodied. We can all hunger and thirst for righteousness, we can all be merciful, we can all strive to be pure in heart. And each of us can do our best to make peace. Because these are the ways that this radical upside down kingdom comes into being. Jesus is presenting his manifesto for the kingdom of God. And none of it's new. It's all stuff from the Psalms and the prophets. Jesus is again taking the things that the people knew and said often as part of their worship and he's presenting it in a new way so that they can understand what he's talking about and what God has been trying to say to them all along. Jesus is naming the reality of the lives of the people as they live in that place at that time under the rule of the powers that be. But Jesus has already exercised a different kind of power. And and in his teaching, he gives language to what they've all experienced. He's saying to them, look, look around. You are these people. You're the meek and the poor in spirit and the bereaved. You are the people who everyone else has shunned and says there's no place for because you're unwell or in some way disabled or distressed or distraught. People like you aren't valued by the system because because you can't work, you can't be productive, you don't fit our narrow idea of what success and wealth and happiness look like. And Jesus made them whole 
because that's what God's kingdom is all about. He was showing them how it worked and then giving them words to explain it. This is the good news that you have experienced, he says. This is what it looks like in real life for you and for me. This is what it could look like if we all valued these things instead of the things that the world tells us to want. Eric Barreto suggests that both the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments are not rules as much as they are visions for, for communal wholeness rooted in God's liberation of the oppressed. These stories are told and embedded within a larger story, a story about the character of a faithful God. That's why Jesus draws on the scriptures the people know. This is how God has always been. As the prophet Micah tells us, all God wants of us, all God ever wanted of us, is to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's what Jesus reminds us of in these Beatitudes. But people will take offence and that's how we'll know if we're doing it right. Because to live like this undermines the sham of power. It undoes the lie we're told about possessions bringing happiness. It lays bare the claims of fashion and fads and of fame and fortune. Love lived out, love realised, love embodied is where the kingdom of God begins to take root and starts to grow. Where will we see the Beatitudes lived out today? Where will we bear witness to this alternative kingdom full of those whom Christ calls blessed? Will we recognise the poor in spirit or those who mourn and comfort them? Will we notice the meek and recognise their gifts? Will we stand with those who hunger for righteousness, even if that means a loss of some of our own comfort and privilege? Will we aspire to join the merciful or the pure in heart? Will we stand alongside the peacemakers and risk attack from both sides? Will we hang out with those who are treated unfairly and stand close enough to, to attract the same sort of harassment that they get? Do you see it? Do you see how the kingdom of heaven comes about? It happens through action, our action. So it happens when we can see and stay close to those whom Christ is called blessed. Because in that, we learn how to live a life blessed by God. We live into the kingdom. The kingdom that we have always been part of and that God calls us into.
Loving and generous God, we have so many blessings for which to thank you, and yet it can be often hard to see these in the midst of all that clutters our lives. The worries we have, the people for whom we have concerns, the world that seems set on being in constant turmoil, and yet we have heard Jesus' words of blessing, a reminder that you are in all things and we do not deal with this alone. And so we bring to you now the worries, the people we love and the world in general. We bring them for your care and blessing. May those who feel worn down by life know again of your love. May those who mourn know again your comfort. May those who lack self-worth know they are everything to you. May those who want to serve you know that they are appreciated. May those who strive to show your love know that they are also Deeply loved. 
may those who are good and kind know that this does not go unnoticed. May those who work to bring peace know that you have their backs. May those who face persecution know that in you they can find strength. O Lord, hear our prayers as we continue in the words you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Be a blessing in the world. Be a word that brings life. Be a community that speaks love. Be God's people wherever you are. Be the blessing of the kingdom, today and always. And go knowing that you are blessed. Blessed by God. Known to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit now and always. Food Bank opens for collection on Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm and every Sunday thereafter. Uh, obviously it's been Christmas and New Year so stocks are low so any donations that you could bring to the Food Bank would be very gratefully appreciated. And don't forget if you or anyone you know needs food then they can come and collect food at the same time from 1pm until 2.30pm every Sunday at St Ninian's Church. Next week, that's Sunday the 5th of February, we will celebrate the Sacrament of Communion and you are welcome to join us. We'll do that both in person at St Ninian's Church at 11am and online at any time that suits you. So please do join us. Next week, have some bread and wine or a suitable alternative ready for the beginning of the service. And in the evening of the 5th of February, it's Night Church. That's an opportunity for you to come to St Ninian's Church to drop in to spend as long or as short a time as you want in the peace and the quiet and the beauty of our church. That's from 7.30 until 9pm and you can stay for as long a time or as short a time as you wish.